What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the 2021 edition of the Owens Recovery Science Podcast. This is Kyle, and in this episode, myself, Johnny Owens, Ben Weatherford, and Zach Dunkel talk about a paper that came out almost a year ago now. It's a review paper. It's on the effect of blood flow restricted versus heavy load strength training on muscle strength, a systematic review and meta-analysis. Primary author is Groenfeldt, and then you have Jacob Nielsen and Per Augard on here as well, who have, of course, done a number of different BFR papers. And this was a fun read. Uh, it was a good time chatting with the guys about the paper and what they kind of took away from it. And so we hope you enjoy listening to us discuss the paper. We do also want to say just a huge thank you to all of you who have reached out to us over the course of the last year and just kind of encouraged us with regard to our podcasts and our blogs and our courses and those things. Uh, We plan to just keep rolling on into 2021 and we hope it's a pain in the rear because we're just traveling all over and teaching as well. So that's our plan and we're moving forward with it. And if you're interested in taking our courses, then shoot over to our website, owensrecoveryscience.com and click on the Get Certified tab, and that will take you to our list of courses. You can, of course, also see on our social media feeds and that kind of thing where we'll be. Uh, We usually post that about once a week. So without more delay, we are going to kick it over to Jimmy McKay to intro us, and we'll get rolling with the podcast. This is the Owens Recovery Science Podcast. Hosted by physical therapist Johnny Owens. What's up, everybody? Welcome back. Happy 2021. It feels like freaking 2020, maybe even a little bit worse. But this is Johnny Owens um, with the Owens Recovery Science Podcast. Got the knuckleheads on here. Um, Kyle Kimbrell, Zach uncle or what's your what's your moniker now hmfic head mother yeah, f you know what in charge um <laughs> ben and yeah we're gonna keep our our, our rating down here uh and ben weatherford pump the brakes, so. there. Pump the brakes. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways um it's it's been a minute i think our last one was in december the holidays and just closing out the year and trainings um took a bunch of time but now we're back on it and hoping to start pumping out bunch more we got a, a good lineup of guests this year a bunch of papers we gotta we gotta discuss a bunch of topics and ideas we we gotta discuss and so um today we're going to talk about uh, a new systematic review of meta-analysis that came out in the scandinavian journal of medicine science and sports um, from some some really smart folks um, one of them jacob nilsson was on the position stand paper we did in frontiers and physiology kind of the leader um, in the lab per our guard they've, they've done a lot of really interesting work um, just in general with, with muscle and adaptations um, that, it, that it does with strength. And this systematic review and meta-analysis looks at does low-load BFR get the same strength gains as lifting heavy? So that's what we're going to jump into today, and, and it's pretty fascinating. They, they did a really good job on it. But the first, fellas, anybody watch 60 Minutes last night? <laughs> Sh- shameless plug, shameless plug. <laughs> Why would we watch 60 Minutes, Johnny? Yeah. Well, <laughs> my daughters came in and um, I, was, I was like, hey, I'm going to be on TV in a minute. You want to watch this? And and so my youngest daughter said, what what channel is it on? And I said, CBS. And she said, is that an, that's an old person channel, right? <laughs> <laughs> 
I don't think true, she's ever true. watched anything on yeah. CBS in her life. Oh. So, but yeah, it was cool. Um, we did the Alex Smith piece for uh, 60 Minutes. I had Alex on there and his wife, Dr. Robin West, and, and me and Colonel Aldo Reddy. So um, it's cool. I think it, it's on the 60 Minutes uh, website. If you didn't see it, I, I thought they did a really good piece. So it's a nice feel-good story. In between all the talks with the riots and impeachments that they had on 60 Minutes, they ended with some feel-good. So it was good. And, I, and I'm 60 Minutes alumni, man. She said they, they tweeted out. You know, he. This is his second go around on sixty minutes. Uh, <laughs> I didn't. I missed that part. That's too yeah, they funny. said if I get on. They said if I get on three times, they tweeted that they're going to give me a little sixty minute stopwatch. Um, so. <laughs> nice. I got to come up with a good story, man. Something you got to go figure out how to, or something. Yeah, I need to do. I don't have much left in my tank. I don't think you got to figure out how to get that third exposure, man. It's yeah. uh, the IMDb page is going to be. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it'll actually have a picture of you. <laughs> it says my IMDb. I didn't make it, but they. It, I got a notice after I went on that they they gave me an IMDb, and it says sixty minutes. Johnny Owens playing himself <laughs> for one minute. My one whole minute that I was on on that first one. Anyways, so let's let's jump into this paper here. So here here's why it's interesting. We've always kind of seen that blood flow restriction um, at low load beats low load. And we've got the systematic reviews and meta-analysis that back that up. That, that's pretty much a no-brainer and, and that's where we think it wins with rehab. Um, but it's been generally accepted that blood flow restriction at low load does not increase strength um, to the same extent as high load training. And so there's, there's some some papers out there that show this hypertrophy um, is is equal, or maybe you can even get better with with the low load with BFR than lifting heavy. But it's always been well, so you're going to get better strength gains if you do um, heavy load, and and that's based off of two systematic reviews and meta analysis. One, Alexandro's um, group out of Brazil, they did one and showed that BFR um, was inferior to lifting heavy, and then Luke's um, Luke Hughes uh, clinical systematic review and, and meta analysis found that BFR didn't meet the standard of lifting heavy. So what are you guys thoughts or want to just move into breaking this down um, on, on where we stand with all of this right now? Yeah, so um, some of the issues that we had like with the Alexandra paper was um, they had within subject um, measures. So basically one arm or one limb would be uh, low load BFR limb and then the other would be a high load limb and the potential that you could kind of blur the results with a cross-education effect. Um, so this paper kind of teased that out and didn't include those in their analysis. The, um, the second um, thing they teased out in this uh, meta-analysis systematic review uh, were studies that were not uh, randomized or quasi-experimental. And then- um, Which is crazy. Uh, to that? even do a non-randomized <laughs> just makes no sense to me that, that someone would, would go down that road. I don't, I don't know how they get that through review. Yeah, I don't know, too, you know, looking at, like, whether that's more of an outdated, like, an early type yeah. of a deal where they, you know, said, like, well, let's just look and see, like, do we get a result here? And then don't yeah. have a, a control or don't randomize the control. Yeah. Um, and then the... Um, the last thing that they teased out were more than one strength outcome measures obtained um, from the same study. So um, basically avoiding a double dipping yeah. um, from the data. So 
Yeah, so you get this false inflation. So if heavy lifting showed it was stronger on isokinetic and it also was stronger on 1RM, if you, if you include both those measures, then you've got this kind of double dipped self-inflation of one group over the other. So, so yeah, th th I thought it was pretty interesting to be able to take out some of these, these limiting factors because that's been one of the big problems in a lot of the BFR papers um, is just the, the overall strength measurements that they do. Um, that's right. And, you know, one of the, the big argument, arguments that Jeremy's had for the longest time was strength is just a matter of practice. And, and I think yeah. that there's some truth in that. You know, I mean, he's, there's, there's plenty of papers out there that show, you know, if you just practice, a, you just do one RM testing, you get really strong at a one RM test. Um, and then, you know, it kind of goes over to the specificity of training as well. Like the, the more you do something at a given intensity, the better that you become at it. Um, so yeah, um, and that, and that was, and they, and they also put a hierarchy on their strength measurements in this, which was interesting. So dynamic, yeah. isometric dynamometry was, was at the top of the list. So studies that right. use that, um, that would be the number one that you go after because there's, there's really hard to, it's hard to have a lot of variability to do it. It's an easy test to pull off. It's got a lot of validity. Um, Jeremy and, 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 and us as well. Um, usually that is our preferred method of testing. Isokinetic is number two, um, which is, which is better than, than handheld dynamometry, but you can still have some, some variability in it. Handheld dynamometry was three and then rep max testing was four. So if these studies, if they included in this new system review meta-analysis had multiple strength measures, they chose the one measure that was the highest on that list. So that was also an interesting way to kind of break it down and avoid this double dip, but also get the best kind of strength measure, right? And it, it seems like the, the concept of specificity matters is really in all the, the BFR papers that we've seen and the non-BFR papers. You know, Stu Phillips has several papers out of his lab comparing a low load to failure versus a higher load to failure. And <clears throat> strength measures, if it's a 1RM, the high load always wins. But they also talk about that being a specificity in the way that they're measured and the way that they're trained. So right. um, on, on yeah. the multi-rep max type measures, it's, it's a very similar result across groups yeah. and, then, and then so thing that they did on that um just getting back to the double counting because i don't think we talked about it but was they they got rid of studies that had like multiple publications written on basically off of the same data set so yeah yeah, yeah. it avoided so in 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 luke's you know they looked at there was some non-randomized studies as well um, and, and this mixed population, so combining this osteoarthritics with sarcopenics and stuff like that could also kind of fudge the results a little bit. So, so really kind of tease it down to a laser focus of, of best BFR low load versus HIT papers. The, the problem that they had, and this is a problem always, was um, some, some bias that was involved because most of the trials, I think only one, right, was registered. Um, yeah. Maybe one. Yeah, one. And so if you don't know registration, basically when you run a trial, you're supposed to go to clinicaltrials.gov pre, you know, once you get IRB approval and you post it and you post everything that you plan to do with that trial, your hypothesis, inclusion, exclusion. These are our primaries. These are our secondaries, um, conflicts of interest, et cetera. And, and you put that there. So then when you go and try and submit it for publication, 
the reviewer can look at your paper and go back to what you were intending to do and make sure you didn't veer off from it. Um, I, I review papers all the time and it's rare. <laughs> Lots of, it, it's just really rare that you actually get a paper and that you also can get their clinical trial registration. It's, it's a real flaw and, and people gotta, gotta start doing this or, or they're not gonna get through review anymore. And if you wanna get into a high tier journal, like my buddy Dan Roan and, and our folks here at this at the at our base, they got into the New England Journal of Medicine last year. They're the only therapists I know that they're in an NEJM. Um, and he said that review process was the hardest thing in his life. They looked at everything that they put on clinicaltrials.gov and and matched it, that they followed it to the T in their paper. And then there was just even some wording that was different, and, and they were getting dinged on that. So that's, that's the primary bias that they really found in this is you just couldn't go back and see what these people did. Was it actually what they intended to do or did they kind of change the results? But, but the way that they, I think they, they tried to make it where these are the best of the best papers. Um, I, I'm, I'm kind of comfortable with, with where they stand on that bias. So they had 16 studies total. Um, it's always crazy too. When you see these systematic reason analysis, like, we found 3,000 papers, 1,800 were, were um, duplicates. We whittled it down to 320 and 16 med inclusion. <laughs> That's <laughs> exactly what I was to say. It's so much work. That's why yeah. I, oh, I, don't know, I hate this where I'm using med analysis. So you do all that work and then it's to, to meet the criteria. It's, it's just crazy. But it, it ended up being 310 subjects. So this is why. Um, systematic reviews and meta-analysis are cool because if you get similar studies, that's a pretty decent sized subject pool, at least for a rehab study. And it, and it fell pretty pretty even. Um, the, the high load uh, was about 153 subjects. The BFR was about 157. So, so really, really pretty close. And, and it was nice too, because it was pretty even um, on the number of folks under 50 and the folks over 50. So it was almost an even split between that. So we're getting a nice kind of um, dichotomy between groups here. And, and they followed the PRISMA. Um, this is basically best practices for systematic review and meta-analysis. And, and Jacob, you know, whenever he was working on our position stand, um, he's a smart, smart dude, Paragard's a smart guy, good lab. So I trust um, the way that they ran their systematic review and meta-analysis was very robust. And, and so I think we can, we can um, agree that this was a good study. And so basically, just jumping down to it, they found no difference in strength gains between lifting heavy or doing low load BFR whenever you looked at what were more robust, well done studies. So they were basically equal. Um, the, the effect size difference between the two was, was very small, no significant difference between the two. And the overall effect size for blood flow restriction was 0.64. Um, the overall effect size for lifting heavy was 0.79. So they both had this medium to large effect size, which means they both do get you stronger um, and immediate medium to large effect, but no difference between the groups. On their forest plot, you can see it looks like it goes over because I used it on a slide and then, you know, it looks like it's a little bit more favors the lifting heavy, but there isn't any significance between the groups. And they explain that as they think it could have been some of the, the baseline testing made it skew just a little bit over on their forest plot. So interesting, that's different, you know, if now, you know, their conclusion was not only can this be for clinical populations, but we agree with Brendan Scott's um, study that says BFR is something that maybe athletes should consider because um, you can do a lot more volume 
you don't have muscle damage, you can do it in season, no muscle damage, and, and you're still able to get these similar kind of strength gains. So what do you think, fellas? You're going to never lift a heavyweight again? <laughs> yeah. Well, the, I think the one of the hard things about kind of going too far with that is none of these studies that were included here were on highly trained individuals. They were all untrained or, or recreationally active. So I think you have to kind of consider the training status of the people that we're talking about. Not that we wouldn't think that this does not work on athletes, but, you know, we might not quite see the same sort of results if we had really kind of high quality studies and, and, and we were reviewed in this manner, we might still really kind of expect, well, maybe as you get stronger and more trained, that load matters a bit more. Um, I think right. that would be generally our bias, but. Um, because we've seen low load to failure gets yeah. similar hypertrophy to lifting heavy in untrained individuals, but low load to failure does not get similar strength scores to lifting heavy in trained individuals Yeah, is, is generally, I think what's understood right now. So, yeah. so, so yeah, the, I would, that's, I would the, agree with that. Yeah. And that's the problem. It is hard to get trained studies, you know, in, in elite individuals um, to, to really see, do you move that needle in them? Um, so I don't, I don't know if we're going to get that. The majority of what we're doing this for is clinical population. So I think we can, we can, take promise that if we start someone on low load BFR in the early days that, that hopefully we're, if you're doing it right, you're getting similar kind of effects of lifting heavy. Going back to your question, Johnny, of we're never going to lift a heavy weight again and just stick to BFR. I, I don't, I don't really know that I'm on, on board with that. Um, this, this BFR stuff is, uh, it's, it's challenging. It's definitely it's something that is, uh, <laughs> it, it's good to work in. I, I like to, to use it every once in a while to play around with it and, and better my understanding and appreciation for what we're doing. But, uh, yeah, I, I do like my traditional cause I can get it over with a little faster. Yeah. Obviously the, the full five to six minutes of suck, you know, just joking. Yeah. The rest periods alone make it terrible. But if uh, I couldn't lift heavy, yeah, I would, I would definitely do this. Um, and, and I, I think what it, was, man. Yeah. You got to earn it. Earn I'm just kind of looking at the dosage here. It was typically, it was from four weeks to up to 16 weeks and they were all within two to three times a week. And, and the majority of these 14 of these 16 studies were all on the lower extremity. So that's just off, also food for thought. I thought that was, that was, some, we did, we failed to mention it, but in there, when they were looking at papers, they favored lower extremity over upper extremity papers. And then the thing mm -hmm. to confirm all of our biases is they favored single joint over multi-joint strength He's testing because they're the neuro, the what do they say? Um, the low exercise neuromotor difficulty of the, yeah. of the yeah. task. Um, so basically anyone can do it type of thing. Yeah. There's no way to cheat, no way to, you know, it's not, it wasn't like you needed to, and that was with regard to the, the testing side of things, but yeah, um, I just thought that was kind of an interesting thing that they did. Yeah, and so um, I don't know if we need to go much deeper into it than this, but we have basically three systematic reviews and meta-analysis that have looked at low load BFR versus lift and heavy. Two of them, they were able to point out some, some pretty decent flaws of why they didn't show the results. The most recent one we have now, um, where they really tried to, to knock those flaws out, we've got low load BFR is very similar to lift in heavy or based on their study. It's exactly 
the same from a strength perspective. So interesting food for thought, maybe some of the folks in the performance side who are, are using this a little bit, but questioning, you know, if I take my guys off lifting heavy, this will help them at least if they need to do it, feel like they're, they're not cheating them out of some strength gains. But I still think from, from our big win, starting early, low load BFR, we're doing similar things for our patients as lifting heavy. Absolutely. Any last minute, any last thoughts from you guys on this? I, I, can I, can I tell you a story about my mom real quick? Since this, we're talking about Ben not <laughs> wanting to do BFR. Here goes all our listeners. This is a just, good story. Yeah, I'll just left. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> a good story. Y'all are, yeah. I think our listeners will appreciate this. So my mom had, had some hip pain for quite a while. Um, I've peeked at her hip here and there, but I always, I hate treating family. And so mm. I've got a good PT, uh, at an Abilene that I, I refer her to. Um, and, um, uh, so he's done a good job taking care of her, but she's, she goes to like, you know, exercise class and whatnot. Now she's done with PT and all that. And, uh, she gets me on the phone today and she goes, you, anytime my mom asks for like medical advice for me, I know that she should have probably brought this up at least six months ago, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so, so she reluctantly says, I, okay, I need to ask you a medical question. I'm like, okay. And so she starts telling me about how when she's doing lunges and exercise class, she can't quite do them the same on her right leg as she can on her left. And she wants to know, is her knee diving in? Cause she pronates more on her right side because she has flat feet. And I'm like, well, mom, you, you have flat feet on both sides. I said, I go I, out of curiosity. I can't remember. Is that the side that you had the hip problem on? She's like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, you were in this period of disuse for quite a while. Cause that thing was bothering you. I, I guarantee you've lost some strength. We know that those primary spots that you lose strength are your quad and your, and your calf and the weakness in those areas certainly affect your ability to do a lunge. I said, so here's what we need to do. We just need to get you on like a little strengthening program in the gym. And so I've been kind of coaching her through this. Now this was admittedly, I didn't assess her. Uh, it, it was my bias kind of coming out, you know, but I'm like, I know she needs this anyway, and it's going to help her. So I'm going to, I'm going to get her going on this. And I, to be quite honest, I've been trying to figure out a way to get her, her, she and my father both going on something like this. So <laughs> I coach her through doing like long arc quads and like the little soleus machine at the gym. Cause I just got to get them going. And I'm, I'm talking her through it. I'm trying to avoid her getting too terribly sore because I'm like, if I get her too sore, there's no way, you know, she'll go back because this is not the type of exercise she's done in the past. So I checked in with her on Friday and she texted me back and she goes, I did it. I nearly died. It felt like I was going to die. I did 310 on my longer quad and 315 of the, the calf. And I'm like, that's great, mom. That means you're doing it right. I go, you're harder to kill now. And she's like, awesome. <laughs> I'm just surprised your mom can do a lunge. Yeah, yeah. My she, mom, if my mom did a lunge, she would blow every ligament out in her knee, I think. So. Yeah. <laughs> Mom's a beast, man. Well, years ago, I, I was really doing a bunch of plyometric kind of protocols and I made my wife go through one of them one time. And um, I basically, I think I gave her rhabdo in her calves. It was so bad that the next morning when she got out of bed, she just collapsed on the floor because her calf muscles weren't working. Like I literally, I was gonna maybe have to take her to the ER. <laughs> um, so yeah, I've been there, man. So don't rhabdo your mom, Kyle. Don't, 
Yeah, I, I really you know, work. Maybe just don't do a lunge. Talk her through how to go about doing it, and we'll see if those lunges get better. I'm I neglected to get her to like shoot some video, and then we could be like, see, all we had to do was get her calf and quad stronger, and now she can do a lunge without <laughs> this medial collapse that we're so worried about the hip abductors for. Yeah, Sim similar vein. We'll never be able to use my wife as an example for for BFR exercise. She's never made it out of the first thirty without telling me to turn the tourniquet yeah. off. So, yeah, yeah. mine too. Uh, yeah, but um, right. going back to the study real quick, one of the things you, you mentioned, Don't Johnny, digress the conversation. What are we going backwards? I had a comment to make, but how you went down this Kyle Kyle story time line. What's this regression? I, 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 I wasn't going to interrupt Kyle's story time. I mean, it's kind of like Kyle's people. fantasy land. We, we never really know what's coming, but we just have to let it play out and then we'll rein it back in. We are, get, we are giving people a high quality information and you're taking us back to the evidence. Sorry to do that. I had a comment. I wanted to get it out there before I lost it, because if I don't get it out there, it's gone. Um, but I mean, like, like all the reviews, I mean, one of the things that, that hit me is, is interesting, Johnny, you mentioned the, the number of studies on the initial search and it's like, man, I, I'm really missed some BFR papers. I need to go back and do some searching. There's a lot more than I think I have in paper pile, uh -huh. but you know, looking at the, how few were included. I mean, of course they highlighted, you know, all the need for, for more robust studies. We have a lot of, of areas like every other review paper where we have some information leaning us a certain way, but I still need a lot more research to really know these these comparisons well. So yeah. more, more to you say, we always need a get lot a ton of you get a ton of pains on your initial search on these because you have to include every term. So yeah. you know one of their terms was strength training. <laughs> so that's gonna you're gonna get a lot of papers that come back to you, but you have to put those terms all in and then weed through it. So yeah, that's why exactly. when you see the primary author is the young kid student. <laughs> who had to weed through all of those and, and then get the 16 papers to the rest of the group. And then they went through it. I did have a couple of thoughts that I, that I highlighted here that I did want to kind of bring up that I thought was sort of cool in their discussion. And they said one quote from there, they said large scale randomized controlled trials and or qualitative studies for feasibility and user perception designed in accordance with clinical research guidelines seem warranted to more fully explore the feasibility and examine efficacy of BFR um, specific to pre and post clinical patient populations. Certainly sounds like that femur fracture trial will help with some of that, Johnny, um, in terms of just large scale. I mean, y'all are going to have- oh, I don't, I don't want to talk about that one right now. Okay, um, well, if skipping that, we'll edit that out. Uh, no, no. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then uh, another thing that they well, said- I, I mean, I, I can't say much. I'll just say, COVID has, has done yeah. a number on us and um, to at the current pace um, enrollment, I think we would have to do it for like three more years to hit our 250, um, even though we're in the hundreds. So we're hoping to, that, that's all I can say. So we'll see. Um, it's just trials are, are just sucking right now because you're burning money at the same time that you're not enrolling. You know, the people are getting paid and, and you run out of money. So we'll see. But yeah. Even at a hundred, that's a that's a big number by comparison to oh, it's it's well over pretty much actually, every other BFR yeah. study out there, which is awesome. The um, problem is it, it's registered, and then we pull it, and mm. metric wants to be in a big journal, so then it's all of a sudden, well, you're not meeting reg your registry. So we'll see. That's up to Johns Hopkins and the metric people. Yeah, uh, and there was one other thing that I that I thought was kind of interesting. They referenced a little bit of the. 
the Sintner paper, and then they said, whereas BFR training-induced bone adaptations have not been examined directly. I think that's an important point because I've seen some info kind of floating around here that BFR does absolutely improve bone. And it's like, well, right. we don't necessarily we don't know. know that yet. Yeah. No one's really used we that have one as paper. a primary aim. Yeah. The J, uh, hopefully it comes out in JBJS soon. Yeah, not um, published yet, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it shows promise. It shows promise. Yeah. And we have mechanisms. Correct. And then it also, which, you know, it matters. mentions Sintner's, you know, the tendon paper, it showed positive adaptations. And then the Kubo paper showed it didn't. And if you listen to our prior podcast um, on the tendon stuff, there's some real issues with that Kubo paper. Nice. I like it. Referencing back to the prior yeah, yeah. podcast. Back, that's, a good, that's a good strategy. We need to do that more. Right. Make a note of that. Yeah. Yeah, no, those are good points. And that's kind of standard that you have to put in there that you need larger, more robust trials and hopefully we'll get there. Yeah. So cool. All right, fellas, that was quick and easy. I'm trying to keep these under two hours. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. Well, until uh, next time, um, hopefully we'll have a, a, one of our guests on here soon, just getting everyone scheduled. And, and we got some other really good papers I want to break down. So you guys go to our website. Courses are up and running again. We've already gotten multiple that have sold out um, starting and we got others that are popping up all the time. So check them out. Um, other than that, peace out. Stay safe. Good stuff. I'm going to go rewatch myself on 60 Minutes. I'll see y'all later. <laughs> It'll be on loop all day today. So <laughs> it's my screensaver. <laughs> all right. Later, y'all. All right. Take care. Later. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Owens Recovery Science Podcast. Owens Recovery Science is a single source for PCs, OTs, ATCs, DCs, MDs, and other medical professionals seeking certification in personalized blood flow restriction rehabilitation training. Find them online at owensrecoveryscience.com.